0: Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. On today's episode of Dispatches from the Verge, Marsha Morrison joins David and I in a conversation around entering community and entering contemplation uh, from different perspectives and different starting points, and um, not a one size fits all uh, sort of situation. But before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering uh, for this podcast. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. Uh, That's what you hear in the background right now. If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, check out theruined.com. You can also hear past episodes uh, of this and not only Dispatches from The Verge, but also, uh, Road to Desert Rain at drcrpod.com. Uh, please tell a friend. If you could tell one friend this week about our podcast, uh, if you enjoy listening to it and share us on social media, that really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to our second installment of Three-Way Conversation here at Desert Rain. <laughs> oh my gosh. Monsignor? Hello, sir. David Morrison. He's not actually a Monsignor. No. it's <laughs> a joke. And Rabbi, Marsha Morrison. Also a joke. <laughs> Hello there. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you doing today? Doing
0: good. Welcome back to the, to the hot seat. Thank you. Um, it's not hot enough. Not hot enough. I'm really sleepy today. Yeah, I can tell in your eyes. <laughs> Wake <laughs> up here. We're going to go over there and and I I got some iced tea I'll drop on your head. will give you a cold bath. Um, so the first installment, if you all have been following around, was uh, David, Jacob, and I exploring uh, the labyrinth and sort of the idea around the labyrinth. And today's uh, episode with Marcia and David, we're going to explore this. This idea of contemplation, but more importantly, um, different level, not level, what, maybe you, maybe one of you can, different, people are at different points in their contemplation practice.
2: Yeah. People come into community at different, from different places. Maybe that.
0: Yeah. So I, I guess just, we can either start here at Desert Rain or even farther back when you guys pl- planted a church and were' running running a sort of the stereotypical idea of church and and people coming to you from different um, different spots on the spiritual path I guess
2: sure yeah yeah
0: So which one do you want which one <laughs> do you want to kick us off? <laughs> well maybe so Marsha, maybe you' to start off maybe your personal experience with contemplation. And kind of the the rundown of like how you first got into it and how it's evolved over the years for you,
1: I know for me personally, um I'm generally a a more on the quiet side kind of person, mm. so when I was younger and we were in um services where you know it seemed like uh you know I had a more Pentecostal bend to it um so the louder. You were, you know, the more it seemed like you were, the more spiritual you were um, okay. as far as like praying in tongues really loud or or just crying out really loud. And so I always kind of felt awkward
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I was I was feeling the prayer, but I wasn't necessarily feeling the I got to be really loud or I got to.
0: The boisterous yeah, side of it, so to speak. Yeah. Um,
1: 'Cause I was naturally inclined to I'm I'm okay with praying silently and you know, and so I always kind of felt like maybe I was a little off or something because I wasn't boisterous or or, you know, um loud about it. Did you even so, feel
0: maybe feel left out? Did it even go that far because you weren't inclined to be so loud?
1: Not left out, but maybe okay. um maybe I wasn't feeling the spirit quite like everybody else. Mm. Like Almost like I wondered if there was something wrong with me. Like, why am I not, you know? Um,
0: but internally, you were feeling the spirit.
1: I was, but I didn't recognize it at the time. Okay, I see. Um, at the time, I thought, oh, no, I've got to have these really loud, outward, you know. Um, and it was it was pressure that I put on myself. Mm. I mean, I didn't have anybody that I can remember specifically say to me, you know, what was wrong with you? Why aren't you being,
2: you know? <laughs> Get louder. No, I did. <laughs> When we were young and we would try to pray together, she wouldn't pray out loud, and so I thought something was wrong with her. She's broke; something's wrong with her.
0: Mm. Uh, Leave it to a white guy to try to fix <laughs> fix a woman. I'm That's sure true. I, was,
1: I forgot about I forgot yeah. about so, that. Okay, yeah. sure so I was
2: sitting there with my legs, man, spreaded
0: out. And <laughs> <laughs> no, but so what, from an outsider's perspective, what did what did you see? Like, how did you perceive
2: it? Well, because I was buying the company line of the charismatic church mm. so you know god is really far away so you have to yell really loud <laughs> and if these, you want him to reach the yes, clouds and these demonic uh kingdoms are very tall mm. so you have to you have to shout you shall not pass uh to bring them down you know yeah kind of so that's kind of where i was you have to make a a specific and, the, and those were the kinds of books i was reading too. make your petitions to god very specific. Mm. Uh, If you ask God for a bicycle, you know, ask for a very specific color.
0: Uh, A Schwinn, dark blue, yeah, yeah. (laughs) with the banana seed.
2: (laughs) And it sounds silly now, but I took it pretty seriously. I was, you know, 19, 18 years old. Well, I think that's Uh, the point of this conversation
0: is that's where you were at on your path. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. So so we would
2: try to pray together, and it was just a shit show, you know, on my part, not hers.
1: Yeah, So (laughs) so going into contemplation wasn't all that hard for me, as far as the sitting in silence and mm-hmm. and you know, um that kind of i I kind of lean that way anyways in my own prayer life, because yeah. um, I don't feel like even though I thought this is how you're supposed to get God to hear you <laughs> um, from external sources um internally, um, I just felt I was okay with being quiet
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or and- sitting quietly.
0: And before you encountered this idea of silent prayer, meditation, did you try to force yourself to, to be the bush? Like, did you try to step out of your comfort zone and be like, all right, I'll try this like fake it till you make it kind of idea, I guess. Yeah, I did. Okay.
1: I did. Yeah, I tried. And And what was
0: that like for you? Did it?
1: I felt fake.
0: Okay. (laughs) Inauthentic.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then I was like, you know, and then I would be like, what? Maybe it's a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's uh, but I just never felt comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very odd, that's why I was really like when we started the path to where we're at now, um, that was when I really felt fully comfortable in my prayer life was, mm-hmm. um, oh, okay, yeah, so we can sit in silence. We can, you know, there's a time to be loud and a time to be silent. Mm-hmm. Um you know i'm not i'm not dissing the you know being loud and expressive in worship and prayer but there's also the the more contemplative side which to me means you know sitting quietly or you know just oh, yeah, thinking I, about things you know like internally like like speaking in tongues out loud and really loud so that everybody could hear that i was speaking in tongues wasn't anything that appealed to me but there is like a deep, when I'm, when I feel like I'm praying for someone or interceding for someone, mm-hmm. there's like a deep feeling inside of me. That's almost like a groaning. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: That is kind of more my expression.
0: Interesting. Of,
1: you know, that's just how I feel the spirit, I guess you right. could say. So.
0: And so, Mr. David, I guess for you being someone that did, it sounds like you did buy into the being loud. Praying oh, yeah, that way, yeah. did did, but did it feel authentic at the same time?
2: Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. Because I had a lot of, you know, I'm an intense young man. Where mm-hmm. I was an intense young man. Now I'm a you're fairly, an intense, <laughs> fairly intense, intense middle aged guy, tired, intense.
0: <laughs> you still have your intensity.
2: Um, yeah, it, it rises up now and then.
0: So, so what was that sort of? I guess the the same question to you, but reversed of going from that boisterous, um, loud praying to sort of wading into the waters of contemplation and silence and stuff like that?
2: Well, I mean, to clarify, the charismatic circles, at least at that time, they they embraced and encouraged what they called quiet time. Mm. They would tell you, you know, when you get up in the morning, have your quiet time with the Lord, uh, you know, with your Bible, and then sit there, you know, and be quiet. So there was that. Uh-huh. So it's not, they weren't against it. Right, right, right. It's, it's okay. affirmed, you know. And, so I was doing that in my private uh, prayer, mm-hmm. you know, which was walking in the desert. You know, we've discussed that a lot. Right. So, so it's really just was in corporate meetings and groups uh, when we prayed together mm-hmm. that I was more boisterous and uh, intense. So,
0: and so, how did that? I mean, because I've, well, uh, we've known yeah. each other six or seven years now, and I've never seen that side of you come out. You know, praying, yeah, in a group. So I guess, guess, sort of, what what was the evolution or shift?
2: Yeah, that's a good actually. Yeah, so I would think in intercessory prayer, you're trying to accomplish something, okay. And it's not clear whether you're trying to get God to do something or whether you're trying to align the circumstances and your own will with mm, the will of God. Right. You, you know, it's not. You never know. Yeah. So there's this focus to get something to change, get someone to heal, to be healed. Get a world circumstance to change, get uh, your own personal circumstances, something miraculous, Mm -hmm. the breakthrough to come, whereas in contemplation, it's a passive sitting of acceptance, of surrender, of giving consent to the presence of God, regardless of what your circumstances are or your uh, lack of healing or whatever it is. You're not trying to get anything from God in that sense. So, so that's a massive shift. Yeah, that's that's a difficult shift, and it's hard to jump from one to the other, mm-hmm. back and forth like that. It can be done, but it's 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 not easy because contemplation and silence becomes uh, very all invasive after mm, a while, right. and you become more and more content with whatever you accept suffering, you accept, you know, joy. It's all you let it. You let those things come. Because the practice itself is that, right? Well, it's, you're I not think resisting it's resisting thoughts.
0: Yeah, it's, it's becoming okay with what life is, yeah. which is all those things joy, suffering. Exactly. So um, you learn,
2: you know, so when you sit for 20 minutes in centering prayer, you're not resisting any kind of thought, you're not holding on to any kind of thought, uh, you're just simply letting them fly over your head. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of end up doing that with your life in, in a lot of ways. And so whereas intercessory prayers, we're going to, you know, the kingdom of God comes with violence and the violent take it by force, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And we're going to, it's more of a capitalism, uh, approach to prayer. The, we're going to uh, get ours. We're going to get it, the, get it, girl.
0: The Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> yeah. prayer from Pulp Fiction.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Uh, um, and so, uh, to sort of redirect for, or not redirect, but to, Marsha, you were actually the one that sort of brought up this idea of, of um, for today's topic of everyone's on a different place in the contemplative path. And just knowing you, you you two you've encountered hundreds, if not thousands, of people on their spiritual path through the church, through desert rain. I didn't say hundreds of thousands. No, no, no. Hundreds <laughs> oh, okay. or, or even thousands. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say I probably
2: did say hundreds of thousands? You got yeah, getting Pentecostal thousands <laughs> made decisions that day and gave their hearts to Jesus. You've you've
0: influenced a million people. <laughs> and we're not exaggerating we don't exaggerate here on Desert Rain Community Radio. No, so you've encountered hundreds for sure, and yeah. probably thousands of people.
2: Yeah, um, that's fair.
0: Through your guys' yeah. ministry. And I guess the question I have for you, Marsha is, is as you get to know someone, how, how do you determine or just sort of wade into that, that conversation of where, where that individual, or if it's a couple, you know, or a family where they're at sort of on their spiritual walk.
1: Um, some people are pretty, you know, they're able to, to, to pinpoint, you know, where they're at and share with us, you know, where they're at. Um, we try to make it as low pressure as possible because right. um, we've had different conversations with people and some people feel like, Oh man, I, I'm not, you know, I don't do it the same way you guys do, you know? So, you know, maybe I'm not, you know, cut out for the spiritual journey or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it really is an individual. Um, if you're open to it, you know, it, it's, I think that that's really all you need. You know, I don't think you need to try to smash yourself into some kind of a mold mm. of this is what. So if you're, for example, if you're a, an extroverted, outgoing person and you're naturally loud or or what have you, um, you know, forcing them to sit quietly, <laughs> you know, is probably, <laughs> it's going to be really hard for them. Right, and, okay. And may not, you know. But there's, you know, so there's, there's something for everyone, I believe. Yeah. Um, Different expressions that people can take um, in their, in their journey, in their path.
0: And um, what, what, what are sort of, if, you know, if someone comes to you with that sort of, I don't know where to start mentality and you have a little bit of a feel of who they are, what sort of direction do you point them in or resources do you? um maybe recommend
1: sometimes depending on what their background is you know we encourage that like some people especially if they came from catholicism into into protestant or mm. charismatic uh you know some they've been made a lot of times they've been made to feel like the catholic church was evil in some way or You know, they had to, you know, so sometimes they struggle with that, even though when they were young, you know, that's, that's the, those are the prayers and those are the Mm -hmm. expressions. And so we'll encourage them. You know what, if that's, if that's how you feel like you're connecting, that's not wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not wrong to, to, you know, if those prayers that you were taught as a child comfort you during, you know, times that you really are wanting to pray or needing to pray. There's there's nothing wrong. You could start there. You can use that to help you get into that contemplative state.
0: So kind of use what you know.
1: Yeah.
0: It's really interesting because one of the things, so I grew up with, <clears throat> there goes the please Venmo me money. I just smashed my laptop. Just joking. Um, crisis averted. Growing up, I grew up Catholic. And for some reason, uh, the Lord's Prayer our father really connected with me. And I don't still, to this day, I don't know if I just really liked the prayer or when we said it, I knew it was almost communion and I knew we got to leave right after communion. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like signaling the end.
2: So it's like association. We're gonna go. <laughs> yeah. we're going to go to Luby's in 20 minutes. Yeah, here. exactly. It's <laughs> Luby's time, baby.
0: Uh, but when I showed up into the rooms of recovery, for some reason, and, and the longer I stick around, the weirder it seems, but that was one of the prayers they would use, was the That's Our Father. So interesting. Yeah. And especially- so universal, maybe? Maybe, and especially for a group that says they're, you know, spiritual, not religious. They use yeah. an extremely religious prayer yeah. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but it brought me comfort when I was like, because I felt out of place at these recovery meetings, especially early on, the first month or two. Yeah. But to have that prayer, like you're saying, that I connected with for whatever, it doesn't matter the reason, right? As an adult, I still connect with that prayer. Brought me a lot of comfort during those twelve step meetings, and it was it was very it was a weird thing because you know I thought I had left that in the past, so to speak, when I stopped attending church or you know Catholic church specifically, and so um, go, going off that idea. That same idea, I guess, David, of, of sort of the direction or, or recommendations you lay at people's feet, um, because it's not one size fit all fits yeah. all. And actually maybe that's a better question of, you know, yeah. during your time as a spiritual director or whatever for people, um, how do you, how do you meet them in that place? Yeah. And, and just like being like, it's not one size fits all.
2: Well, I, I think I've had to to be very disciplined in, with myself mm. to not have an agenda with anyone other than to serve them uh, and, and to discern what that service might be at that moment, which most of the time is just keep your damn mouth shut. <laughs> you could serve people really powerfully that way. Well, true, yeah, but if I've they, learned from Marsha, <laughs> But if they
0: approach you with specific questions, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> then you know, yeah,
2: if they're seeking yeah. you, um, but I have to have that spirit about me first, is what I'm okay, saying. Okay, right. So I have to, you know. So I assume I start with the assumption: if if you're a human being, you're on the human journey, and if you're on the human journey, then it's a spiritual journey. Okay. So they're already in the spiritual journey
0: they're already living a spiritual yeah, life just and by and being in here. the language
2: that i would use god has chosen them as beloved before they were even uh born and so that belovedness is there and it just needs to be awakened you know uh and life circumstances awaken it uh people you meet along the road you know that kind of thing but if somebody were to ask yeah it would just depend on their background like Marshall was saying uh um uh, so, you know, if they're a more creative kind of person, then it would probably be a, a fictional novel or some music or a piece of art, something like that. If they're more uh, concrete in their understanding of things, then it would be something for, like a Thomas Keating book. Mm. Which is very, he's very concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, like I started reading Thomas Merton first. That was probably the first. Well, I probably read The Mystics in middle school and – didn't understand anything. Still don't, really. The cloud of unknowing. Give me a break. Uh, yeah. I've, no one says that they-
0: I've gotten like two pages into that and was totally yeah, lost. Yeah, you have to
2: read that for a lifetime. <laughs> uh, I had somebody tell me he was a little inebriated, a friend of ours. And he was like, well, this Dark Night of the Soul by John of the Cross isn't such a big deal. He's just saying this and that. And we're just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You> <laughs> we believe you. One- uh, buzzed reading from it and you get it all so so uh but when i started intentionally saying i want to know uh Mm -hmm. more about contemplative a contemplative understanding of the gospel spirituality Mm -hmm. uh, i started reading thomas merton and and struggled with it for a couple of years and it wasn't until i encountered thomas keating's works And Richard roars that it unlocked Thomas Keating. Mm. I mean Thomas Merton. It unlocked that for. Oh, that's what he's talking about. That's what the false self is. I get it now. Okay. Uh, And so, so it just depends on where someone's at, you know. Uh, So Thomas Keating would be a very concrete, step by step, uh, understanding. Thomas Merton, on the other hand, would be more very abstract and and general. Uh, Merton never offered a specific method of prayer in contemplation mm. in all of his writing that I'm aware of. Uh, whereas Keating, that's what he focused on. You know, we're gonna, you know, uh, sit for 20 minutes. He gives you a very specific formula. And, and he sense. very
0: much focuses on centering prayer, right?
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. which is the cloud of unknowing. Right. He's taking that that, I believe it's uh 14th century. Uh, monastic text, and he breaks it down. I see, and he and he personally read that book several times a year throughout his whole life, and he died like at ninety five, something like that. So, so um, this is a slow process, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that that's a question for you, Marsha, Is um, well, I guess it's two things. One, sort of, because I I have to catch myself as well, not having an agenda with people yeah you know, especially when i'm speaking this so I you don't you've never in our interactions there's never felt like an agenda so i don't know if that's just something that naturally comes to you when it comes to these spiritual matters um or if that's something you've also had to work on and then sort of what are what are some of the things you you use to get into contemplation i i think one of them i've noticed from living in proximity is is the gardening that you do it seems to to be sort of your uh contemplation work so to speak or just kind of how you you get into that vibe but so yeah so i I guess the agenda and then sort of how you step into contemplation personally
1: yeah the agenda um i mean i guess i kind of touched on a little bit when we did our road to desert rain talk was when i was young and you know they would tell you you know if so and so you know your neighbor goes to hell it's your fault because you didn't tell you know and that um you know, I was almost like I was trying to force myself to have that agenda with people mm-hmm. um, when I was young. You know, um, oh, you know, I've yeah, it's great that we're hanging out and we're we're being friends and what have you. But I need to make sure that they're you know <laughs> yeah, but well, don't you want to do this for eternity? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's almost like I kind of had to force myself to have an agenda, and then I was oh, wow. very relieved when I came to to find out that you know I don't need to have an agenda with people. I'm not saying that I don't ever well, of course of know, course of ha- course I have to you know catch myself or anything like that but my natural inclination isn't really to have a spiritual agenda with people mm. um and then one of the things that as far as my own personal contemplation goes um I really like the way that David has structured um the services and the gatherings that we have because he incorporates um you know, we're incorporating the daily readings um, for that Sunday that, like, a good chunk of the population of the planet is also mm-hmm. reading that same. And I just really like that that idea of, you know, we're all together, you know, interesting. looking at this particular passage for today.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I've ever um, of thought of it, like, you know, yeah, really and, perceive the liturgy that way.
1: Yeah, yeah so there's, you know, and and um when he incorporates also the the artwork and the images that he puts up mm-hmm. you know he he doesn't just throw those up there i mean he really goes through mm-hmm. and and finds images that 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 go flow with what we're doing and then also the poetry and the and the readings that you know he incorporates so i really for me i, I really all of those points uh mean a lot to me because it's, it's like he's got the artistic expression, but he's also has the uh, gospel reading. And then mm-hmm. he also has, you know, and then he's also, you know, um, incorporating, you know, he also talks about it, opens it up for other people to talk. And then, um, you know, then we incorporate silence, you know. So it's just, I really like the balance that we've come mm-hmm. to as far as um, incorporating all of those aspects. And he's able to get all that done in an hour, so it's just pretty amazing that we can, you know, have a full experience like that.
0: Well, I think too on that same sort of note, and this might have just come from experience doing it for as long as you all have been doing it, but also leaving space for people to to interject during during the the service, you know. So you have probably maybe curated would be the right word that you're curating this experience right mm-hmm. on Sunday but it's it does it's not like you haven't jam packed every second of that hour you know you you all it's curated but it also can breathe yeah. for the people experiencing it
2: i think that's the discipline of the group itself you know we've just mm-hmm. the core. We've been doing this for years it's it's our spiritual practice together it's mm-hmm. our uh, it's the expression of our corporate prayer, you know. And that's very anti-church growth mm-hmm. oriented, you know. Because if, if if it was designed for to pack seats and bring a lot of people <laughs> in, it wouldn't work, you know. The, right. the aura of intimacy would be broken. And so we'd have to do something you know, or break it into, you know, 50 different little groups or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you yeah, know, it, it definitely has that. I like it. <laughs> yeah I I, I I
0: do as well so but obviously I'm I'm biased um, cuz it's you know I I feel like I've been called to to be a part of it over the last few years and and um and so so uh to sort of not to jump off but to get back on sort of your your experience personally with contemplation is there is there anything that you've read marsha or, or listened to or um encounter that has really, you know, David gave some examples of like Merton and Keating and stuff like that. But, you know, it, those sorts of a similar paradigm, just of things that have opened that, that door on your spiritual walk and around contemplation.
1: For me, it's a lot of it has been like, I haven't read as much as David has, I don't um, think anyone has. <laughs> <this is true. laughs> picking on me, <laughs> but um, a, a lot of it has stemmed from conversation, mm. um, like conversation with David, conversation with different people that we've encountered. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, when people come out, either to visit us, or they want to come for a season, or or what have you, you know, or they end up, you know, staying with us. Um, you know, sometimes. You know, we'll sit and talk with them and they'll say something that'll like really strike me, you know, Mm. like, wow, you know, I never thought, you know, in their own personal experience. And um, I I really um, I really like listening to people for those kind of things, you know, Um, and then or sometimes even when you catch yourself um, thinking, oh, you know, that person probably really isn't into, you know. Mm, X, concept, y, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and then it turns out they say something really profound and you're like, wow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just caught myself, you know?
0: <laughs> well, it's it's amazing when we open ourselves up to allow people to be themselves, at least for me. Yeah. How surprised I can be, you know, because we have, I think we've talked about on the podcast, but we we have these ideas of people, right? That we sort of yeah, typecast instantly.
2: This happens in seconds, right? Mm. I figured this whole person's life out. Well, when I think it even <laughs> in gets three
0: seconds. I think it even, or at least for me, it even. I, it can even that typecast can even get uh, what would be like even harder, like more concrete. Yeah. Because then I start looking for things about this person that connect to whatever assumption I've already made about them. Yeah. And so the longer I get to know them, sometimes it can be like a dangerous on my part, right? Like they they haven't done that, right? Um, but yeah. then when I I'm sort of uh, open minded, maybe is the right word to allow them to be a full human being, yeah, uh, fully dimensional human being.
1: Well, even just the discipline of listening, mm. you know, the, um, that's really when you, you yeah. know, can really connect with someone. Um, you know if they irritate you or if they you know whatever or you've made the assumptions like you mm-hmm. mentioned you know but but i notice when i tell myself i'm going to listen to this person um you know give you know give them my my presence give mm-hmm. them you know um and and then you're and i'm often pleasantly surprised at either something they say or or something they share or you know or a conversation we will have, and you know, and that's not to say that every single time that happens, mm-hmm. right? I mean, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that person still irritates <laughs> me, you know, <laughs> or or it doesn't seem like that person understands what I'm saying, but you know, but I, I, you know, when I tell myself to slow down and be patient and and listen, you know, oftentimes that helps with connecting with someone. Are
0: you a naturally a good listener? Because I'm not.
1: I yeah, I don't know. Honestly, (laughs) I mean, if I have to make myself listen, (laughs) maybe I'm not, but I mean, I don't know. I, I just, um, I try to, and especially when I notice that someone is struggling and nobody's listening to them, I sometimes will give them my presence, you know, in a Mm -hmm. group setting, um, just so that they could either finish their story, you know, Everybody else has kind of moved on, and they mm-hmm. haven't finished their story, and, or you know, I, I try. I don't always get it, but of course I try. Yeah, right. I, I do try to purposely do that.
2: Well, Plus, in the the contemplative tradition, whether it's Buddhist, Christian, uh, or Rumi, uh, uh, the Sufis, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. That it claims that there's a, a, a direct correlation between the practice of stillness and silence. And the expanse of compassion for others. So uh, the deeper you enter into silence, the larger your compassionate heart expands towards others, and uh, and gives space for them. And so that's so it kind of grows, you know, exponentially like that. Uh, And I've found that to be true in my experience. Well, that's
0: that's really amazing. So that I have found that to be true in my own experience as well, but. Last night or two nights ago, I've been listening to this. It, it's this post- podcast out of England, and it's about this husband and wife that did a bunch of terrible things and, and killed people. And <laughs> the last episode I listened to, they interviewed one of the sisters of one of the women that, that had been killed. And at the end, the last probably 15 or 20 minutes of this hour-long episode she started talking about her practice of trying to forgive this woman who had participated in this the husband had committed suicide so he never went to court or anything like that and the last insight she gave so her her connection was to silence was through buddhism she okay. had started going to practicing um meditation in that tradition. Yeah. And she got to this point where not only had she forgiven the woman, but she realized if this woman had never taken her sister out of the world, she would have never gotten to this place of compassion. Yeah. And it was like, it was just like totally... Because I can understand the forgiveness part, but then that next sort of step of being like, "Well, if this woman didn't do what she did,
2: yeah,
0: I would have never had this opportunity to evolve my compassion." Hmm. Um, which who knows if that's true, right? Like we only have one yeah. timeline we can follow, but sort of her to to lean into that
2: yeah, place. It's, it's not to say if someone like someone listening has unbearable, intolerable circumstances for of whatever nature Mm -hmm. that this is uh this is going to be good for you (laughs) of course god is teaching you a lesson that kind of no but it seems to be true that if we uh uh, show up in our own lives on our own lives' terms you know your circumstances are your circumstances uh it seems like it gives room for uh a rose to grow up out of a pile of shit Mm -hmm. or is this a better way to say it the scriptures uh god will work all uh mm-hmm. will work good things you know will work all things for good uh or or in the uh jewish scriptures the story of joseph his brothers had sold him into slavery uh like good brothers do right
0: <laughs> <laughs> good opportuni- opportunistic brothers
2: <laughs> and you know and then the circumstance he becomes pharaohs right end mm-hmm. guy and and then they reconcile and he says to them, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And, and so, so there are circumstances like that. And again, I'm not trying to minimize someone's suffering uh, because when you're in the middle of it and it's being transformed into something better, it's not a fun process Mm -hmm. and it's very ugly and, and, and seems slow and messy and painful. And so I definitely want to acknowledge that, but.
0: Well, and I, I think too that's the importance of showing up for your own life, right?
2: Yeah, if my life um, hadn't happened, I wouldn't be who I am mm-hmm. <laughs> right now.
0: But someone else telling me that is going to be counterproductive. Yeah, you know, yeah. like oh, you had to experience all those bad things; otherwise, you would. Yeah. I have to. I have to be able to come to that conclusion on my own.
2: And I have to theologically believe that God does not plan tragedies for people. Mm. You know that I have a really difficult time with that uh crappy belief.
0: That paradigm.
2: Yeah, that God somehow foresaw this and Mm. uh and planned it for you. You know, and so sorry you had to jump on an airplane in the in the cargo, you know, in the wheelhouse and attempt to try to flee for your life from the Taliban, you know. Uh but it was God's plan. No, that's that's toxic.
0: Well it's also deterministic. who would
2: say that. Yeah, exactly. And you should get away from people especially groups that would think that or tell you that about your life about your suffering so yeah there (laughs) get him (laughs) he's woken up (laughs) i'm waking up here angry we're only 40 (laughs) there's nothing worse than someone who's got chronic illness for example uh or mental illness Mm -hmm. or or a loved one with mental illness in their family and some slick preacher is up there uh you know in, in his uh uh,
0: Three piece suit,
2: fifteen thousand dollars sneakers, and his uh, you know and his failed musician rock band uh, <laughs> up there, and tells you this was this is God's plan, and if it's not working out well for you, it's your fault. They gaslight mm-hmm. you on top of that. It's like you know what, get away from their uh, metal building idol to capitalism, and get out of there and go find a small group of people who will support you and love you, regardless mm-hmm. of what's going on mm-hmm. you know uh in your life. So yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, don't, I guess don't waste
2: your time is what I'm saying. Yeah. Cause we wasted a lot of time in that kind of Christianity. It took a lot for us to get out of that kind of thinking. It and it wasn't so much the social structure as much as the inner thinking. It was our own of course. Our own inner journey that we had to work our ways out of. Well I think
0: too a lot of time we build our own prisons. Right, and it's yeah. kind of what you're yeah. saying—that inner, that inner thought yeah. process that keeps us in those, uh, those places that maybe aren't serving us. Maybe they served us ten years ago, but then today, yeah, it's a no longer to put it. serving us. Yeah. And so, so Marsha, that I, actually that would be an interesting perspective of for you, and and um, and then obviously, you know, obviously within your marriage too. But just sort of shifting from that place of that sort of idea that David just put out there and sort of shifting to this becoming a a small group that supports people regardless of where they're at and sort of what, what did that, how did that evolution internally uh, come about for you as, as you walk, as you two walk through the process? Well, and and just the whole community, Desert Rain as a whole.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. I guess one of the things that, that I find that was really hard. I mean, it was our, like David mentioned, it was our line of thinking that, you know, there's, there's this plan that God has for your life. Um, he doesn't, you know, this is according to what, you know, my interpretation of what I was taught, but he doesn't necessarily tell you what that plan is, but mm-hmm. you've got to somehow keep your life in order so that this plan can go through. And, um, Oftentimes, of course, we blow it or, you know, in our, in our minds, you know. Right.
2: Like, you didn't vote Republican. Right. Or. So God, you're out of his will. Yeah.
1: Or, <laughs> you know, I did this or I did that, you know. And so, oh, I just, I totally ruined God's plan for my life. <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> I, I, one individual, totally ruined <laughs> and omniped <to> power <laughs> and his plan or her yeah. plan.
1: <laughs> right. And then just the thought of, of, um, like we've met people who. Um, you know, they were born with a, a serious health issue, mm. and they they believe with their whole heart that God made them that way, and mm. you know, and that God in, you know intentionally made them that way, and it's just like, you know, really hard. You know, I believed that way at one time, mm-hmm. but now now I don't because I'm I feel like. Why would you want to serve a God who is very ambiguous and very, you know, hard to pinpoint as far as what this grand plan is, and then also purposely have certain people be born in these different circumstance, horrible circumstances? Mm-hmm. Um, I I just don't believe that that's true, you know, mm-hmm. that, that that would be a plan of God, to, you right. know, to, you know, your Your family just got slaughtered in front of you, you know, due to the, you know, the, say for the folks in Afghanistan or, you know, or, you know, some of the stuff my brother went through when he served in the Marines that he shared with me or that he saw in, you know, just, you know, it's, hell on earth is pretty much something that we, for the most part, create for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't see that as being part of God's plan. And I know, and that's, and I I don't tend to say things like that to people because, you know, if, if they're still, because some people just really hold on to that. And for like, for example, this one older man, he, he's recently, he's, he's passed away. But when we knew him and his wife, I mean, he was so dead set on God created him to have cerebral palsy. Mm. Um, and, but that was what. But it, but we couldn't just dismiss that because, or try to talk him out of it because that really was a solid core of mm-hmm. what he believed. Yeah. Um, so, so it's just, again, it's just, um, you know, helping people walk where they're at. Not dis- even though my beliefs have, have evolved a certain way. Right. You know, I can't put that on someone else. I need to let them walk their path you know and just be a support to them rather than trying to convince them that my way of believing is the right way.
0: Well, and and yeah, maybe if you could elaborate that on that a little bit cuz for me it goes back to this idea there's certain times in my life where I think I'm spiritually correct, right? And I want to put that on other people. But I know the right thing to do is to not do that because then I'm I'm just I'm just a righteous person at that point, right? If I'm trying to instill my spiritual thoughts on someone else. Yeah. And and so maybe if you could elaborate on that a little bit, Marsha, of of how just on a day-to-day basis or a you know, month-to-month basis, like how how is it that you are able to just show up to people, show up for people and walk with them regardless of where they're at?
1: I would say like, and, and one of the biggest uh, people that I've ha- had a challenge with is uh, is our own daughter, um, just with the different uh, things that she's struggling with and, mm-hmm. and the different, um, you know, the way that it, it's hard to watch her because she just really seems to <laughs> insist on doing things the hard way. Um, you know, so when I'm with her, everything in me as her mother wants to tell her, you know, try to direct her and try to tell her, no, no, no. (laughs) You have to do
0: it this way. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And even when she asks me for advice, I will tell her, okay, this is what I think, but I, I try to catch myself so that I'm not trying because with your kids, that's where it's the most where you feel the most, like you have to, you know, Mm. uh, push them a certain way or, or, challenge them a certain way or try to get their thinking to go a certain way.
0: Do you think that Um, comes naturally or is that sort of a societal thing that's put on parents' shoulders?
1: I think part of it's natural because um, it's really easy to see your child as an extension of you. Okay. And the family image, you
0: Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like,
1: you know, it's really hard when, you know, there's a, a member of the family who's struggling a certain way and, you know, then it's like, oh, you know, everybody thinks we're terrible people, right. you know, because yes. this person Because of a certain projection. Is, yeah. 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 So that's kind of where some of that comes from, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so when I, and so what I've tried to do for her, because I noticed that she does the opposite of what we advise. <laughs> 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 and, and it's not a defiant thing. It's just, she just has this. She just has this thing where mm-hmm. she just you know she wants to do it her way, and she wants to go to square twenty five when she hasn't done one through twenty four yet mm. um
0: yeah, she's definitely not a malicious person no, in no, any no, way no. she's shape not or form. malicious and, yeah.
1: and she's you know hasn't been disrespectful to us as far as when we talk with her but but the decision she made you know because she's she's twenty one she's mm-hmm. a uh, an adult yep. you know, so it's not like I can you know say it because I said so you know. <laughs>
2: <You're>
1: right. <laughs> um but she's been my biggest challenge as far as um you know because i tend to want to to you know correct her mm-hmm. or or push my beliefs on her or push my thought patterns on her you know like you know but having to let that go mm. um so what i do when i'm with her is i try to be present um if she's having a hard day and she's going on and on and on and on about something and and isn't hearing me as far as when I try to help her, mm-hmm. you know, walk through it, you know, I just, I, I try to listen to her. I mean, it, it comes down to that. It comes down to, yeah. I'm just going to listen to her, be present to her, you know, as much as it hurts me to see some of the things that she's walking through, you know, um, I don't know if this is making sense. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. But, um, you know, she's, she's been my, my biggest challenge in that and practicing what I preach, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. just being present to her, being accepting of her. Um, it's not that I'm condoning, which, you know, if Mm -hmm. she's doing something that's harmful to herself or to others, I'm not condoning that, but at the same time, you know, the, her thought processes and her, her feelings and, you know, trying to walk that tightrope, you know, so to speak of supporting her that way.
2: Plus she's bipolar. Right. And so when she's in a manic state, you can't use reasonable arguments mm-hmm, right. with her and tell her no you're not going to be murdered uh or whatever you know whatever mm-hmm. the, the fantasy is because it's very real in her mind mm-hmm. it's it's extremely so we have to acknowledge that for her and say yeah well it doesn't matter whether i believe you or not you believe this mm-hmm. and and so we have to take a totally different stance with her than a reason. so with a, with the normal the normal stance with a child uh with your child or your uh i don't know what you, your adult child even is to give rational arguments well you should try a b and c you know uh, mm-hmm. and then well, dad i never thought of it that <laughs> you know, that's the the societal
0: well that's the a sitcom normal, version right
2: <laughs> yeah but it doesn't yeah you because
0: know, so. i'm sure my parents told me a lot of really good advice that yeah i didn't listen to because it was my parents
2: well, they told you to join the army and you joined the Navy.
0: They actually, well, so. they actually did not <laughs> My mom reluctant, she still reminds me of that whenever I, uh, uh, you know, bad my time in the Navy. She's like, well, I don't, cause I was 17. Right. So she legally had to sign me over to uncle Sam. She's like, oh, I didn't want to, but you said, so yeah, yeah. Okay, mom. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess the same question for you, for you, David, is as far as, um, Walking alongside or, or supporting someone maybe you don't you don't see eye to eye with or, or you, you know they're just on a different place yeah. in their life or spiritual walk or whatever. How, how, how do you approach that person open open armed with a soft heart and, and, and try to try to walk with them?
2: Uh, it takes time. I mean, t- uh, 20 years ago I was on the defense mm. when we first came out here, so I wasn't interested in doing that at all. Right. I was interested in being in their face, uh, you know, and usually using comedy at their expense. Right, of course. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and so, you know, so I apologize <laughs> to a lot of people out there. Uh, and so now, yeah, I just have to remind myself. So, so, so when the irritation levels go up with someone inside of me. I see. Okay. Uh, that's the sign that uh, I'm trying to control them. I'm trying to, uh, I have an agenda that's Mm -hmm. not, I have an expectation that's not being met. So I have to pause, which that's where the contemplative practices really help because it helps you slow down, uh, you know. uh, I've always loved video games. I don't play them much now, but I really loved them Mm -hmm. in my teens, uh, childhood teens and 20s especially. And, but I suck at them. (laughs) <laughs> and so, but I love them. I love yeah, it, yeah, but I yeah, suck yeah, at them. And so there were all kinds of cheat codes. In the 90s, you can get yep. these
0: magazines. Buy the books and the <laughs> magazines. Yeah. You know,
2: here I am, a middle school teacher, and I had the money <laughs> to buy these magazines uh, with codes <laughs> in them. And I had all these kids I well, <laughs> as- didn't have the money to buy this. So I'm like, well, I was going to say <laughs> in middle
0: school, it was your rich friend would buy the magazine. Yep, and you'd go over yep. there with the notebook paper and <laughs> jot down all the... That's exactly <laughs> what we would
2: do. So I'd have like 10 kids at my desk on after school. we all writing, scrawling yeah, down yeah. codes. And So there were a lot of times games, particularly fighting games, you could put a code in to slow everything down. Mm. And so you can learn to get better. That's what contemplation does for your life in those situations. Slows everything down so you can see a little clearer and so then i can come to acknowledge you know what everyone comes into community uh with different motives and there are no such thing as pure motives mm-hmm. uh everyone comes into the contemplative practice with different motives mm-hmm, right and no one's motives are are pure and and as the wind driven snow mm-hmm. uh we we are human beings we have so so most people come into community because uh Maybe they see an economic advantage. And so that irritates me on the surface. That irritates you're just taking advantage of us. Uh, uh, But if you slow it down, you realize those those motives change and evolve as you give yourself to the process of doing life together and praying together. Uh, uh, Most people probably go into contemplative practices to get some basic inner peace to get some, uh, you know, peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, right. Right. And, and, uh, wellness, it's a wellness issue, you know, and, um, and they may never get out of that. That yep. may be their only, you know, uh, even though that's not really in, in the Christian and Buddhist traditions specifically, uh, the goal is to not become nice, peaceful people. It's, it's to, uh, in the Christian is to experience the, 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 the Paschal mystery, the crucifixion, and resurrection of jesus uh you know and, and buddhism right. to uh to become your uh, authentic self which is no self at all there is no self uh
0: or even like, i think it or to become is it a bodhisattva were
2: in you, some traditions where you yeah.
0: actually walk along with other people and their suffering
2: yeah so you agree to be reborn until every sentient being is has experienced awakening and so uh yeah, and that's a very the, you know the 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 Venn diagram of Christianity and the Bodhisattva tradition are very they come together there <laughs> nicely. So so yeah, so it helps me. Uh, oh my God, someone has impure motives <laughs> uh, to not be rattled by that, and to uh, and to, to look at my own motives. They're not mm. they've never been pure on anything. Yeah, uh, and to uh, to get rid of that. To confront that uh, inner Pharisee, that inner Christian jihadist inside <laughs> of me, and uh, the inner fundamentalist right. that we all have—the uh, religious ego, if you want to call it that—or
0: even just the the double down of wanting to be right.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, Which like- is hardwired in our DNA mm. to do that, and so so you have to slow the game down to uh, to be able to to see that and. And that happens in our collective conversations. Well, this, these people, they're, they're not here for real contemplation. They're not here to become monks. Uh, they're here to whatever. Uh, and we can't, you know, who cares? That might be their actual reason for yeah. being here. Uh, and, you know, and so then you have to, to stop looking at things as a failure or success. Mm. Uh, if someone stays here long term, and they tried it out, and it was just not a good experience for them. Then that's not a, necessarily a failure, you know. Uh, well, it was, even it was an experience.
0: Yeah, and even just that idea of slowing things down, you know, it's it's another you know another thankfulness, you know, with with you, you with you two specifically, but the community at large is you know like having the noon, the twenty minute silence at noon.
2: Yeah.
0: And then this particular, so I had a really stressful week at work this week, Mm -hmm. but I still went instead of being like, I need those 20 minutes to work. You know, at noon I went and sat for the 20 minutes, even though logically it was like, I I need every, every second, you know, to allow that slowdown. Yeah. You know, and then Wednesday night we had a labyrinth walk, you know, and, and same, same mentality. I can't, go out and do the labyrinth walk i got to got to make headway on work but i went yeah. out and did the labyrinth walk and and allowed myself to be present you know like you were talking about marsha and even if it was just for a few seconds during that time it it allowed me to put the whole stressful week at work in perspective yeah like i'm it's saturday i made it to the end of the work week we didn't get everything done that we needed to we made a huge progress but my heart's still beating and I'm still breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I sur- you know what I mean? I live. Saturday lived.
2: <laughs> happened anyway.
0: <laughs> and um And, and so, other you people know.
2: were not convinced. In in our very own little community here. So so like others I- so others at that 12 noon, they were like, No, I have to work this 20 minutes and they're oh. not there. And I have to accept that. And so as as the the uh, uh, the main fool here, I all I could do is create you know opportunities to connect Mm -hmm. together uh and not take it so personally when people choose not to for whatever reason Mm -hmm. you know and who's to say what's legitimate or not you know uh everyone's gonna sit for 20 minutes until you have a bowel movement right that's (laughs) gonna
0: and then you gotta run off
2: (laughs) (laughs) so you know is that not legitimate uh could you not tarry one hour well the salsa was really strong jesus uh so you know there's all kinds of things there yeah, so you can't it so is. my work is to do that is to be able to create opportunities for uh collective contemplation opportunities throughout the week a myriad of them for diverse people because everyone's in different walks of life you mm-hmm. know and I different stages older we're the i think we're the oldest ones here uh in our 50s uh and then there's the the, the younger ones uh, and there are those in the middle raising kids. And there's some that have no kids and there are others that have uh, way too many kids. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, so there's different walks of life yeah. too and different stages and different uh, places that you're at different seasons and all that. And so all of that has to be taken into consideration. So, so my work is to not take it personally and get angry and and get legalistic in the sense of well if you live here you should show up to the meetings mm-hmm. well it's true in principle but uh
0: not always true in practice want,
2: yeah do you want people to feel coerced they show up to a meeting and because they feel socially coerced uh socially shamed uh then what you know then it creates a whole new set of
0: there's another uh, tension right yeah
2: so so that's kind of what we're that's that's kind of how we approach it, you know yeah. these days,
0: and we're we're coming close to time uh but I, I would like to touch base with you, marsha, and this this idea of slowing it down, you know, like putting in that cheat code, so to speak, and
2: like and, new edition said back in the eighties <laughs> you got to slow it down or you're gonna lose control
0: <laughs> so what are what are the some of the things that you you've implemented in your life either currently or in the past that, that have helped you sort of reach that, that place of, of slow down. Um, what, what does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, the um, I don't physically go to the, the 12 o'clock prayer, but I do run the zoom so that people that are um, you know, they're not physically here mm-hmm. can join us and they can see the, the tree and the, you know, David sets up the camera. Um, so I um because of work, you know. Of course. Um, I do but I do make myself do the 12 to 12 20. I'm like, "No, I can I can I can slow down for 20 minutes." You know, that that actually actually helps a lot of times with uh, um like even with work stuff, you mm-hmm. know, like you're you're flustered about something, but if you take that 20 minutes to just, you know, um oftentimes you can step back into it and, you know, you see the solution or, you know, you So actually taking a break is a good thing. (laughs) Mm,
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So so that's one thing. Um, I also, I guess, I I do like the, I like David's analogy of the cheat codes with the slowdown. Because there's times where when I do feel overwhelmed or flustered, um, slowing down, even though it seems counterintuitive, Mm -hmm. it seems like you need to put more effort into whatever it is that you're trying to plow through. Um, actually, slowing down, taking a step back, taking a breather. Um, one of my coworkers, he was um, he was feeling sick this week for a couple of days, and so we were working on on um, a piece of code that we were trying to get some stuff figured out. And he goes, "You know what? I, I'm I'm just not feeling well." Let me sleep on it, and then we could tackle it again tomorrow. Mm. And so, and of course, we're like, no, no, we got to you know, <laughs> Right, right, right. This is our busy season. We got to, you know, get this, get this. do get all Buddhist on us now. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, you know what? No, yes. Go, go ahead and sleep on it, and we'll reconvene tomorrow. And mm. and sure enough, I mean, you know, his his, you know, because he wasn't feeling well, he felt better the next day, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we were all in a better headspace. And and I'm not saying that you don't ever have to take that time to, to plow through stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do sometimes you just do, but sometimes it really does. And I can't remember who said it. It was, I don't know if it was Buddha or the Dalai Lama or one of those, one, <laughs> one of are those guys. wise, one <laughs> of those wise people,
0: cats, <laughs> <laughs>
1: like they said, um, they, they approached him and told him, Oh, we got to do all this, this stuff, you know, and you need to do this and that. And And he said, you know, so you can't do that, you know, that morning hour that you do, you know. He goes, well, no, now it means I need to take two hours. Mm-hmm. And so I can't remember the exact story, but yeah. that has always stuck with me. That it's
2: Billy Graham. <laughs> I, was, I think Billy Graham said that.
1: Just no, I think, it, I, I think it was the Dalai Lama, but I could, I could be wrong. But anyways, that always stuck with me because it was like, well, no, you don't want to take more time to, you know, but actually sometimes that does
0: sometimes that's where the make answers a huge at, yeah. difference.
1: Yeah.
0: It's beautiful. Y'all y'all feel good? Yeah,
1: I'm
2: awake now. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Feels
2: like a Saturday <laughs> now. <laughs>
0: uh once again, thanks for tuning in to uh Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh thank you, Marsha. Appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Dorian.
0: Uh thank you, David. Thank you, Mr. Mason. Appreciate your time. Um what you hear in the background, those are Monk Drums. So if you check out MonkDrums.com, you can go uh, pick yourself up some. Uh, TheRuined.com, if you want to read um, any of David David's thoughts or poems or learn more about the community, Desert Rain community in general, that's the place to go, TheRuined.com. And if you're interested in uh, finding more of these podcasts, uh, you can either check them out on whatever pod listener, podcast listener you found this one on or you can check out drcrpod.com they're all um, and I think uh, you have them broken up by series on on the site right?
2: Yeah, so on the top it's uh, the Road to Desert Rain series and then if you scroll down it's the Dispatches from the Verge.
0: Beautiful, so uh, yeah, spread the word please tell a friend, share us on the social medias, all that good stuff Uh, We appreciate you. Have a great day.